you for joining with us online tonight. Prayerfully, very soon we will be able to return to Wednesday night service and uh, hoping to do that uh, the 1st of October. We will give our church family notice of that so you can be prepared. Thank you for your prayer and your commitments to fasting this month in preparation for our prayer conference. It's going to be a great time. We're already seeing and feeling the effects of that prayer that's going up. Don't stop. Just intensify that. Amen. For a little while tonight, I want to take you to the book of James. Very familiar passage of scripture, the fifth chapter. I'm going to read beginning with verse number 13. I'm going to read from the message translation. I didn't give that to the sound guys, but if they can quickly pull that up, the message translation of James chapter 5, begin reading with verse number 13. And this is how it reads. Are you hurting? Pray. Do you feel great? Sing. Are you sick? Call the church leaders together to pray and anoint you with oil in the name of the master or in the name of the Lord. Believing prayer will heal you and Jesus will put you on your feet. I love that. And if you have sinned, you'll be forgiven, healed inside and out. Make this your common practice. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you can live together whole and healed. The prayer of a person living right with God, the prayer of a person living right with God is something powerful to be reckoned with. Elijah, for instance, human just like us, prayed hard that it wouldn't rain. And it didn't. Not a drop for three and a half years. Then he prayed that it would rain and it did. The showers came and everything started growing again. I want to talk to you for a few moments tonight from subject that has ministered to me today. Basically, praying for a change. Praying for a change. More important than that, I want to share with you how to pray for change in your life. God bless you. Thank you for those who are here standing. They can be seated. If you're standing at home, you can be seated as well. The the book of James is, is a powerful book, but this particular portion of his writings is one of the most important passages of Scripture, I believe, in the New Testament. It's one that we need to visit more than we do because it has so many great things to say to us. And I'm not, I don't have time to go into detail of everything that is mentioned here, 
But James paints a portrait of the church that would be to our advantage to study and to learn because he lays down before us certain dominant traits and characteristics that the early church exemplified and portrayed. And in his writing here in this closing portion of his letter to the New Testament church at Jerusalem, it encompasses three essentials that I believe are critical to the apostolic church. And I confess tonight that we are Pentecostal, not just in name, but in practice and in spirit. Not just in what we say, but in what we see happen in our midst on a regular basis. When we see these things mentioned here by James in this closing letter, you understand the power in which the church operated when you understand the things that he, he alludes to and highlights here in this passage of Scripture, then you come to more fully understand why that church was so powerful, so much so that in a very short period of time in the book of Acts, it is declared of them that these are they that have turned the world upside down. How could they have made such an impact and an influence so that so much uh, of the known world had been influenced by the gospel? It was because of what James highlighted here in this fifth chapter of his letter. He names three things that I'm going to mention and then we're going to focus on one in particular, but... He talks about the church, this powerful church of the New Testament. He understood that the power of this church could be found in its praise and in its worship. He said in declaring in our reading tonight that it was a singing church. I believe a truly apostolic church is always going to be a church where worship and praise are primary focuses of its efforts. Singing was part of the early church. If you don't believe that, then just go read Paul's writings. Corinthians 14, he mentions it. Romans 15, he mentions it. In Ephesians 5 and 19, he talks about us speaking to each other in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and and then writing to the Colossians, he said that the word of God or the word of Christ may dwell in you richly and teach you and admonish you in, and, and do that in psalms and hymns and spiritual song. There's something powerful happens when we worship. It happened here tonight in this place. There's more than just the reciting of lyrics, but there is a connection of the spirit man to the, pray, the spirit of the almighty God. And when we offer our worship to him, something miraculous happens in our midst. And I believe that if there's anything that should be the keynote and should be the, the highlight of this church age in which we now live, is that we too be a church that knows how to sing 
and we know how to worship. Not the sad and weary sounds of the world, but the accent of the New Testament church was an accent of joy and it was an accent of faith. There was joy in the heart of the New Testament believer that came out of him in songs and praise and hymns of the mercy and the grace and the goodness of God. Why shouldn't we sing tonight? Because we are children of light. I'm thankful that I am a child of God tonight and there is a praise in my heart and I am here to tell you that there's nothing like a great time of worship and praise. We mentioned that last Wednesday night. And then he mentioned that the New Testament church that he was a part of, it was so powerful because it was a church that preached and believed and operated in the realm of healing. I believe that that is still something that we can experience. I don't believe that is relegated to the New Testament church that written in the book of Acts, but it is to us even now. When a Jew was ill, it was interesting that I read this today, that when a Jew was ill, he went first to the rabbi before he went to the doctor and was anointed with oil. Now, it didn't say he didn't go to the doctor, but before he went to the doctor, he was going to the rabbi or the preacher so that he could be anointed with oil. I have come to tell somebody tonight that the best medicine that I know of for the things that ail me is a good old-fashioned anointing. And it helps when I have my head anointed because it is that anointing that will break the yoke in my life. And not only will it break the yoke, but it destroys that yoke in my life. Amen. Healing was part and parcel of the New Testament church's DNA. They went out because they were commissioned. Jesus said, lay hands on the sick. They shall recover. He commanded them and commissioned them to go out two by two. And he instructed them, this is what you do. Heal the sick, cleanse the leper, raise the dead, cast out devils. Freely you have received Freely give. I still believe that we have the right to believe for healing and we have the privilege of, of claiming that divine intervention in our life even to the day in which we now live. And I still believe that when we are anointed, something happens in our life. I remember when Sister Cheryl was battling cancer and uh, Brother Cheryl had done everything. They had done all they knew to do. But he said, you know what? The Lord impressed me to do what the scripture said and to have my wife anointed with oil. And so that Sunday morning, some of you may remember, my brother went back and others, we joined together and we anointed her with oil. And those cancers that were there began to disappear and remove themselves. I'm here to tell somebody tonight that there's power in that anointing and there's power in that faith that is exemplified when we call for that the elder to pray over us. Amen. Healing should be part 
and parcel of this New Testament church. I still believe that you need to lay hands on people. You say, oh, but Brother Hughes, we're, we're dealing with COVID-19. Well, I'll wash my hands when I get through, but I'm still going to lay hands on you and pray for you because it's scriptural and it is biblical for me to do that. And something happened. The best of all medicine is still the anointing oil of the Lord. It was that anointing of the head of the sheep that helped it deal with the annoyances of life. I think I've told you this before, but in my study of sheep and understanding what was meant by the psalmist when he said, Thou anointest my head with oil, it was a common problem in that day for uh, certain insects to get in the nasal passages. I, I know that's may kind of sound gross to some people, but they would, they would actually move up the, the, the nasal passage into the brain chamber and they would lay their eggs and those eggs would eventually hatch out as crazy as that seemed. And they would, there would be this buzzing and irritation and they would literally slam their head against the rock trying to quieten the noise. And the remedy for that was that shepherd would take his bottle of oil and he would anoint that sheep's head with oil because that was the one preventative of those annoying pests. Maybe some of us need to have our head anointed tonight and have the hand of God lay on us so that it could silence that noisiness that's going on around us. And then third, he mentioned that this church understood the power of prayer. I want to say to our church family tonight that prayer power is still the greatest power in the world. I love what the scripture says. Tremendous power is made available through a good man's prayer. Read it again. It says something happens when you pray. Our text declares that the prayer of faith is a force that can influence other forces in our life. Other forces of different kinds that come against us. Fear and other issues that arise. And prayer is a vital power that is able to help combat those forces that come against us. And It declares to us that when we pray in faith, that prayer becomes a force that is more powerful than the force that is against us. I know that most of you are aware that lightning is a very dangerous thing and it generates in one strike, it generates so much power that they say that you, you can literally light a city up with the energy that's generated by a lightning strike. And yet lightning strikes randomly. You don't even know where it's going to happen next. But if you were to take a lightning rod and stick it up, which I wouldn't advise that for you to do, but if you were to stick that lightning rod up, 
then that lightning rod becomes an attraction to that lightning. And it not just, it, it doesn't just strike indiscriminately, but it will strike in that place where that rod is being stuck in the air. And so it is with prayer that when you and I begin to pray, we access power and we access the ability to see God do things that will literally change the atmosphere in which we live. We can sit by like some people and say God has ordered this world like it is and there's nothing that I can do to change it. Or we can sit down and say God arranged it and unless God decides to change it, nothing's going to happen. Or we can do like Elijah did and get on our knees and ask God to move and God will change our circumstances. Amen. I still am convinced that the most powerful nuclear arms in the world are not in China. They're not in Russia. They're not in the U.S. They're hanging on your side right now. These hands stretch toward heaven. These arms reaching out in prayer to God are the most powerful arms of any in the world. And if you and I could learn to utilize them, that would make such a drastic difference. They are the difference maker in our world right now. And we better learn how to reach our hands up to Him. We better learn how to bow our knee before Him because that is the only power that I know of that has the ability to change the weather of my life. Amen. Amen. Somebody in here say amen. There's no limit to what can happen when people pray. Jewish saying was that he who prays surrounds his house with a wall that is stronger than iron. He who prays surrounds his house with a wall stronger than iron. Penitence or asking forgiveness can do something, but prayer can do everything. Prayer is me contacting and connecting to and tapping into the power of God and His resources. It is the channel through which the strength and the grace and the mercy of God is brought to bear on my present troubles. If I've got an issue in my life, the greatest tool I have to deal with those issues is through the avenue of prayer. All the problems that I face in my life, I have the tool of prayer. More things are wrought by prayer in this world than any other thing. When we pray, when we pray, we bring to bear upon men and upon circumstances the mercy and the might and the power and the grace and the goodness of our God. Why should we not pray? Amen. This passage of scripture supplies me tonight with the authority to preach what I want to preach to you and claim what I believe we can claim. And that is the power to change. The power to change the weather in your life. The power to change the climate 
that you're living in right now, the power that can change the circumstances of your life, change the, the, the weather of your whole existence. We have the example in Elijah and what an example we have. And I love seeing somebody that's done it before because that tells me if he can do it, I can do it. And if it happened for him, it will happen for me. His example is not for me just to envy, but to imitate. Amen. The conduct of Elijah is placed before me as a witness to what can happen when we pray. Amen. And a message here is given to us that those who suffer, those who are suffering drought, are those who are in a dry place, are those who are suffering from a lack of some kind, a want of supply or sufficiency, or someone who is discouraged or disappointed or despondent. If you can learn how to turn your, your, your prayer loose, and let it work for you tonight, it would change the atmosphere in which you are now living. The Bible says that he simply asked God to intervene, and God did. Oh, listen to me. I believe the reason that we don't see more divine interventions in our life is because we're not asking for divine interventions. But I am telling you, church, that's what I've been praying for the last few weeks. I want a divine visitation. I want a divine intervention. I want God to move and suspend whatever has been going on, whatever the present circumstances are. I want Him to suspend that and turn it around. It may have been drought for the last three and a half years, but some Something's about to change. There's a move in the atmosphere that's going to redefine our present circumstances. Amen. He just simply asked God to intervene. And he did. If you're not happy with your circumstances in life tonight, then here's the remedy. Pray. Pray for a change. Pray until there is a change. Amen. Pray for a change Pray until there is a change. You can pray for a change of weather, a change of climate, a change of circumstances. And I'm going to tell you how to pray that kind of prayer before I get through tonight. Amen. For all of you who are overwhelmed and intimidated by prayer, let me just give you a little insight into what makes prayer powerful. It's not the prayer it's not the prayer, it's the one you're praying to. Amen. For those who are overwhelmed, and I don't know of anything that intimidates people more than prayer. When you start talking about prayer, everybody gets quiet and shrivels up. And they don't want you looking at them because they don't want to confess that they're not praying like they need to. And the reason they're not praying like they need to is because they don't feel like anything happens when they do pray. Let me give you a revelation tonight. God gave it to me. It doesn't say that Elijah was a gifted, spiritual, tongue-talking, holy man. It says he was a man of like 
passions as you and I are. That means that this man knew what discouragement was. As a matter of fact, if you just keep reading the story in Kings, he goes from the mountain of exhilaration and seeing the prophets of Baal slain and running in the spirit ahead of the chariot and going into the city before the rain. He goes from there to hiding underneath the juniper tree because he's afraid for his life. But Elijah was a man that understood that prayer is not based on my power. It is based on his ability. And what I simply need to do is start using my words to access his power and bring his power into my present circumstance and watch something change in my life. Amen. He was a man subject to like passion. That means he struggled with the same things you're struggling with tonight. He battled the same issues you're battling. Amen. He was not a spiritual giant. Amen. He was not a spiritual giant, but a man with faults and failures just like you and I. But he prayed anyway. And his prayer changed the weather in his life. The prayer that he prayed changed the climate and the atmosphere. Read it in 1 Kings 17 and 18. Three and a half years of drought. We've only been in a few months of drought around here. And look at your yard and look at the grass and the death that, that, that's all around us and the dryness. And think about what would happen to protract that over three and a half years. There wouldn't be any green anywhere. There wouldn't be any trees alive. And yet it was in that atmosphere that the Bible says he went up to the mountain and he put his head between his knees and he got down on his face and he started calling out to God and God moved and changed the atmosphere and the next thing you know there's a cloud in the sky and then the the sky is black with cloud and the rain falls and plummets the earth. Why? Because a man had the courage to say it's not about me, it's about God anyway and I believe that I can tap into who he is and what he is and bring that power into my life amen he bowed himself to the earth and put his face between his knees that's the attitude and posture of agonizing prayer maybe if more of us did that we would see greater things he prayed and there was a change in the weather if you need a change amen if you're dry if it's hard if it's difficult if it's empty feeling if you feel like you've gone as far as you can go then pray pray like Elijah prayed do what Elijah did get on your knees get on your face and then see what God will do when you pray like that I believe you and I can still see a shift in the weather of our life if we will only do what Elijah did. He prayed. Amen. Elijah's prayer released power, power that was unheard of and unknown. Prayer is able to do that. He prayed and he looked and he prayed and he looked. He prayed and he believed until something happened. Amen. Until something changed in his life. 
The scripture tells me that God's promises of answered prayer are to all his children, not just the spiritual ones. Amen. He was a man subject to like passions as we are. I can't tell you how many times I have knelt before the Lord in prayer and felt condemned because of my own failure and shortcomings. But I stayed there on my knees and I kept talking to him. And it wasn't long until he reminded me, hey, this isn't about you anyway. This is about me. This isn't about what you can do. This is about what I can do. So get over yourself. Get over your shortcoming. Get over your failures and start praying. Because when you pray, something's going to happen. Amen. Amen. And so I'm going to give you the keys to effective praying tonight. You want them? The keys to effective prayer. Number one, don't let your personal weakness silence your prayer. Don't let your personal weakness, your personal failures, your personal inabilities silence your prayer. I said it just a second ago. He was a man subject to like passions as we are, and yet he still opened his mouth and he cried out to God for God to change the climate that they were living in. Amen. How many times are we intimidated by our own failures and our, our own failures silence? Oh, we, we worship. We worship. We either have people come lay hands on us to be healed. But when it comes to activating our prayer life, well, I don't, I, I'm, I'm not that spiritual. I'm, I don't walk that close to God. Evidently, Elijah didn't walk that close to God either because he got really discouraged really quickly. I don't know that any of us are really walking as close to God as we ought to walk, but that should never silence me from opening my mouth and lifting up my voice and calling on His name because when I do, I'm going to access His power and something is going to happen. The second thing that makes prayer effective is that you've got to ask for something. You don't pray the world. You pray specifics. He didn't pray, God, I pray that you will bless and nurture this world. And I pray that you will help all of your children to, 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 to be good children. He said, God, we need rain. Rain. Rain, if you understood what I'm hearing right now, it's raining out there. That's what we need to call on. We need to say, God, we need a miracle. I need a healing in my body. I need the walls to come down. I need this thing to go away. I need this miracle to happen in my life. We need to quit talking in general terms and get specific with God and say it's dry where I'm at. I'm ready for a change in my life. I'm ready for it to come a great spiritual downpour. I'm tired of being dry. Praise God. What a divine moment. Amen. The third thing that Elijah made, did that made prayer effective is that he believed what he was saying. He prayed and then he sent his servant to go look. And the first time he came back, he said, Nothing. Not one thing. And the Bible said he sent him again. And Elijah kept on praying. 
And he kept sending. And every time that servant would come back and say nothing, he would say, go again. And Elijah would bear down that much more. God, we need a change in our atmosphere. We need a change in the weather. We need, I'm tired of dry. I'm tired of desert. I'm tired of lack. I'm tired of want. He kept praying and he kept sending until he began to see what he was saying. He was saying, rain, rain, rain. And nothing was out there. But you just keep saying it until you can see it. You keep praying it until you can see it. You keep praying it until you can see it. Somebody's got to believe that what you're saying to God makes a difference. And God is going to intervene. The fourth thing that Elijah did was that he was persistent. I love how the original translation of the scripture says... It said, and he prayed in prayer. He prayed praying. Not just a dead, dull, and now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord. Lord, not those typical prayers that we so often get caught up in. And we can say them without even thinking about what we're saying. But he prayed until he prayed. He prayed until he moved into that dimension of the Spirit where his words took on power. And that's where prayer becomes effective. When we stay with it and we keep praying until we pray. Amen. He was serious. And I'm serious tonight. And oh, it's coming a rainstorm outside. I'm just praying God will send it inside this building. That's what I prayed this weekend. God, I want you to reign in this building. I want you to pour out your spirit in this building. I want you to do things that astonish the mind, that change the circumstances of people's lives. I'm tired of seeing deadness. I'm tired of seeing dryness. I want to see life and I want to see hope in people's lives. He prayed and he kept praying. Brother Kilgore used to teach us when you go to prayer and he, he, he always drilled it in us, you pray at least an hour. Well, I would pray an hour sometimes and nothing would happen. And, and he said, well, then you just keep praying. Yeah. Oh, that's where the real kicker comes in. It's that second mile. You're compelled to go one, but go two because that's where your real character comes out. And so it's when you linger there and you just keep praying. It didn't break in that first 10 minutes. It didn't break in, you know, sometimes you can kneel down and just start talking in tongues and, and the Holy Ghost is all around you. And then there's times when you get down and God doesn't feel to be a million miles from you and the words get out of your mouth and they fall right down to the ground. But you just keep praying because sooner or later those prayers are going to get traction. Sooner or later they're going to gain momentum. Sooner or later. And so he kept praying. That's what the church has got to do. We've got to keep praying. You say, but I've been praying. Keep praying, keep praying, and keep saying it until you see it. Amen. Keep doing it until you see it. I believe that continuing is still the key to God's promises. The Bible said that Paul prayed three times for the thorn to be removed. Hey, I've got news for you. If Jesus 
had to pray three times before he could get his own flesh into submission to the will of God that was before him. Don't think that you're not going to struggle at times with your own human will. Don't be surprised how many times you have to go back to pray and you just keep going back to prayer until you can come back from your prayer by saying, not my will, but thy will be done. And when you've reached that place, there's nothing that man can do to you that will hurt you. Amen. Praise God. And I'm closing. Hallelujah. This passage of scripture tells us how to remove barriers. There's a reason why some people are dealing with issues in their life. And you look at the scripture that we read, you'll find two things are connected. Sin and sickness. We cannot know any health spiritually or physically in our soul or mind or body until we are right with God and right with those that we have hurt. Now when he said confess your sins, please don't misunderstand. That is clearly not an advocating of an open session where everybody just gets up and and tells everybody what they've done wrong. This is in reference to the person that you have wronged. If you have wronged somebody, that's going to limit the effectiveness of your prayer. And until you go to that person and confess your sin, confess your fault, confess your wrong, you are going to be limited by barriers. But if you can ever learn the power and the release that comes when we can confess our fault. I, I did wrong. I'm sorry. I said something I shouldn't have said. I acted in a way I shouldn't have acted. Something happens that releases us to move into a divine dimension of power that can literally begin to change the atmosphere in which we're living. Amen. To make our prayers effective. There's going to have to be some of that in our life. Confession. Amen. Sometimes we want people to get over stuff that we don't want to get right. Amen. We acted out. We said something we shouldn't and we think, well, they just need to get over it. No, you need to get it right. I need to get it right. And when I remove those barriers... God's blessings begin to flow. When I remove those barriers, God's help comes. When I remove those barriers, God's strength is made perfect in my weakness. I believe the cure of all the ills of life can be found when we learn how to humble ourselves, not only before the mighty hand of God, but before one another. Oh God, help us to tap into that prayer power. A power that can change the atmosphere. It can change the whole climate. It may be dry where you're at right now. It may be a long time since you've had a breakthrough. But I'm telling somebody tonight that you can have a breakthrough in your life. You don't have to be super spiritual to have it. You don't have to be superman to do it. All you need to do is get on your face and start calling out to God and keep calling out until what you're saying is what you begin to see. I need a miracle. I need healing. I need, to, I, I need help. I need strength. I need power. I need your glory. I need wisdom. I need understanding. And God will give you what you need. Amen.
Oh God, help us tonight to understand the power that can change the atmosphere in which we live. The power that can change the climate. Amen. The surroundings of our life. Sometimes it gets so dry and we want to blame it on other people. We love to blame it on other people because it's so much easier when you can point a finger at somebody and say, well, the reason I'm not where I'm supposed to be is because of this. this." The truth is the reason I am where I am is is because I've allowed myself to get there. I need to get up and do what Elijah did. Amen. I need to... I need to pour myself into a spirit of prayer. And he prayed, praying. He prayed in his prayer. He prayed until he prayed. And when he began to touch God in that realm, something began to happen in the heavenly realm. I wonder what could be released this week in our life if you and I could understand There's a realm out there that we can access through prayer. But it's going to take some serious praying. It's going to take some genuineness in our prayer. Amen. I wish wish that you would just join with me right now and pray together. Father, right now, we we need that change. We need that power. God, we need the access that comes through prayer into the power and the grace and the mercy of God. Lord, I believe right now there are miracles that are awaiting us. There are are divine interventions that are just waiting to unfold. If some of us would dare call upon you, some of us would dare believe you, some of us would dare to reach out to you right now. God, I'm believing you. I'm trusting you that you're going to do something mighty in this place and in our families tonight. Right now, Lord. Right now, Lord. Right now, Lord. Yes, Lord. It's an open door. Your presence. Lord, it's an open door. You're inviting us in. You're asking us. Access it. Tap into it. Call upon my name. Call upon me. I will answer and show you great and mighty things. Hallelujah. Your presence, Lord, is an open door. Help us, Lord, to step through that doorway tonight. Access the power that you've made available to all of us. Hallelujah. It's an open door. Lord, tonight, help us to tap into that resource. Not be intimidated by our failures. Not be embarrassed by our shortcomings. Not silence ourselves because we don't feel we're worthy. Somebody tonight sitting in your living room listening to me at this moment. You need to open your mouth and begin to cry out to God because you've been intimidated long enough. Your failures can't stop you. Amen. If failures could have stopped anybody, they could have stopped Zacchaeus. But he just found a tree to climb up. And when the master came his way, he stopped 
And he looked up at Zacchaeus and he said, Son, it's time for me to visit your house. I believe God wants to visit somebody's home tonight. Amen. He wants to visit your heart right now. He wants to help you understand that just like Elijah, not a superman, not a super saint, not super spiritual, but a man of like passions as we are, prone to failure, prone to weakness, prone to missteps, but he got on his knees. Amen. He got on his face. And when he started calling out to the Lord, something changed. Something's moving. Something's changing. Why? Because somebody's praying. That's what we felt around here this weekend. I believe we're going to feel it and see it again in a greater way this coming weekend. Because somebody's praying. Somebody's accessing somebody's tapped into it they know they're nothing but they realize that God is everything and because he is everything anything can happen praise God right now Lord I am asking you to do a work a sovereign work in our midst awaken our church family to the power that is within our grasp tonight The power that is within access to us. Simply if we will learn how to pray. Pray like Elijah prayed. Pray and keep praying. Pray and keep praying. Cry out and keep crying out. To believe, to have faith that what we ask is going to come to pass. And we know that it's going to come to pass. And so we keep sending, sending, sending until word comes back. I see a cloud. I see it. It's about the size of a man's hand. Hallelujah. That's all Elijah needed because he knew that was just the beginning because a hand is always connected to a body. (laughs) Hallelujah. And so if he could see the hand, the body's about to show up. And if we're seeing a hand moving right now, I'm just telling you there's a body connected to that hand. And it's the great God and Savior that we love so much. Amen. Thank you tonight for joining. Thank you, praise team, for your great worship tonight. Thank you, Brother Clyde T., for leading us into the presence of the Lord. I think we need to linger there for a little while close tonight, why don't you take a moment and just spend some time in prayer and watch God begin to change the atmosphere, change the climate in your life. Amen. God bless you. Love you much. We look forward to seeing you this coming weekend. In Jesus' name. Amen.